What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, and I am back again for another season with my co-host, Bart Wheeler. And Bart, I'm excited. It's uh, it's still January, technically, but it's we're thinking baseball already. You've joined my Fantasy Baseball League, my Keeper League that I've been doing for 20 years just this year, so <laughs> that's going to be really exciting. Uh, your Orioles were just... Uh, Apparently going to get sold now from the Angelos family to a couple Woo-hoo. billionaires. So I'll be interested <laughs> to hear what you think about that. And then we are going to jump into a catcher preview today. So it's baseball season. I don't care if it's January. Yeah, I love it, man. And yeah, we just had that news like a couple hours before we recorded. Um, you know, the Angelos family selling off the Orioles. I mean, you know, they're just selling it to a couple other billionaires, like you said. But, uh, you know, I grew up an Orioles fan. I also grew up a Washington football team fan, uh, you know, the former R-Words. And I dropped them a long time ago because I couldn't take the ownership with Snyder. And, uh, yeah, the Angeloses weren't a whole lot better. (laughs) Um, At least they didn't have some of the scandals uh, that we had with Snyder. Um, But, yeah, I've stuck through it with the Orioles. And, yeah, it's interesting. Like I feel like maybe they're trying to sell high. I don't know. But the Orioles have this kind of up and down uh, a little bit, mostly down in recent history. But... Uh, yeah, they're they're on the way up. I feel like they're selling high. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I mean, as you know, as I, as bad as the Angeles, you know, ownership uh, era was as a whole, uh, you have to say they're leaving the uh, leaving the team in in the best spot it's been in a very long time, maybe in our lifetime. Honestly, yeah, with the amount of talent, young talent, uh, on that roster, top to bottom, really, and you know, we saw them look great last season and I think that they still have room to grow so um and now if they have ownership that's actually going to pour more money into the team then I mean the sky is really the limit in terms of what they can do Uh, you know if they can you know look to add in future years some some veteran players here and there to complement their young core I mean that's that's how you can you know have that long run of being in contention year in and year out I mean this the American League East has just changed so much um, over the last five or ten years. You know, it used to just be the Red Sox and Yankees, and nobody else really had a shot. Uh, and then Toronto had that brief phase where they were developing some good, exciting young players. Didn't fully um, maybe pan out all the way. Um, but Tampa, of course, has just been, you know, figuring out how to maximize every every small advantage they can find analytically to uh to compete year in and year out. And now the Orioles are just the, the most talented team uh, probably in the division and maybe in all of baseball. So uh, yeah, the, the division is really turned on its head. And as a Red Sox fan, it's uh, you know, it's tough times for us. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of yeah. like lost in the wilderness. Like you guys used to be for all those years. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel bad for you because you guys have pumped a lot of money into your team. And if, like you said, if the Orioles have new ownership who are going to actually pump money to into the team and not, let players just go, you know, when they hit 25 years old and they're in the prime of their career. Like that just has been the cycle that I was talking about. And if that cycle doesn't continue and they sign guys to hundred million plus, you know, contracts and keep them and have this big payroll, then yeah, we can compete with you guys and the Yankees. Yeah. I mean, I think it's two things. One is like, while you still have all these young players on, on cheap contracts uh, or relatively cheap contracts, then it's about sprinkling in some veteran uh, players here and there to get you over the top and mm-hmm. then uh, you sort of see the difference between the, the big spending teams and the the ones that don't and that's are they keeping their their star players because 
we've seen some of the you know brightest talent in the game uh, switch teams when they hit free agency. So it'll be interesting to see if the Orioles are serious about keeping uh, this team together in the long run. Yeah, well, you mentioned your uh, your keeper uh, league that I'm joining. I'm excited about that. Uh, you had three teams exit, so we actually did an expansion draft, which was a lot of fun. I got to take part in that. I know you said you were jealous, and uh, it, we keep six players, and I feel like I have seven or eight guys who are really you know good keepers, five for sure, and then I'm going to have some decisions to make uh, with guys like Nolan Jones, uh, Matt McLean, uh, some guys we'll talk about in our future position previews, but uh, I don't think I'll be keeping any catchers. Yeah, probably not. Uh, very few catchers do get kept in this league. Uh, you know, there's been there's usually one or two that do. Yeah. Um, so we'll see if that happens this season. Um, but that's a good segue uh, to jump into uh, our business for tonight, which is uh, our first position preview. Uh, we we always like to sort of warm ourselves up and start with a manageable one with catchers and. Um, you know, it's the ugly stepchild of a, of a position <laughs> and, uh, that's probably not politically correct to even use that term anymore. I'm sorry to all the, um, stepchildren out there. Um, yeah. but, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the greatest position and it never really has been, um, for offensive production because a big part of the, the job is defensively and you take a beating behind the plate and you aren't going to play every single day, uh, you know, there's a couple catchers that do find their way into other positions, DH, maybe first base or the outfield, and that can kind of boost their plate appearances and their fantasy value as well. Uh, but generally speaking, you're talking about guys that maybe will play three or four times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, power is not too hard to find at the position uh, in terms of 20, 25 homer power, uh, but it usually comes with a pretty poor batting average, a lot of strikeouts. Uh, that's just the catcher position. And, you know, looking at Baseball Monster, um, just to kind of paint the big picture, there's been exactly one catcher who's finished in the top 100 uh, players in standard Roto 5x5 fantasy value uh, in each of the last four seasons, uh, excluding the, the COVID year, which was a, a, a very shortened season in 2020. So that's pretty much what you can expect, is there'll be one catcher maybe that will be a top 100 fantasy player. And uh we don't even know who that catcher will be i mean last season it was william contreras mm-hmm. i wouldn't put my money on it being william contreras again this season so um that's just something to keep in mind when you're deciding uh, how much of a priority to place on catcher on draft day so one inside the one, top 100 and yet when i'm looking at adp i see four inside the top 100 really inside the top 75 so that goes to like my catcher strategy. You know, we're going to mostly focus on one catcher leagues. That's probably what most people do. Um, we'll we'll go pretty deep, but you know, if you're in a one catcher league, I have like four tiers of catchers that like I'm fine with any of these guys uh, as my catcher, and I'm really my draft strategy is probably going to just be wait because I'm not taking any of these top three or four guys in my first seventy picks. I don't think because, um, like you said, I mean, it's like the best catcher is like you know the thirty fifth or fortieth best outfielder or something. So it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense when you can find 20, 25 homers, like you said, uh, later. Uh, like It's going to come with a lower average and this and that, but there's also some young guys uh, you know, in the teens who we'll talk about, at least in my rankings, who I like a lot. And uh, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm probably not paying up for catcher. Uh, what, what say you? Totally agree. Um, it, it's just, I, you know, another aspect of this, I think, is that um, people, one mistake people often make in fantasy, in my opinion, 
is over uh, emphasizing last season and thinking that that's uh, that's a, a real reliable indicator of what's going to happen this year. And mm-hmm. it's not. I mean, a couple guys that like you know had relatively down seasons last year were JT Realmuto and Will Smith, and those two were basically considered the cream of the crop at the position before uh, that. So. Like, I'm not going to sign- – you know, we'll get into our tiers here. Uh, you know, I have those two guys in a top tier with Adley Rushman as the top three uh, uh, catchers this season because I, I just see the proven track record of these players is so is so high, and I don't have any major uh, question marks about them. And, you know, um, you know, Rushman is obviously a little bit of a different case, but Real Muto and Smith are, are proven veterans who've done it year in and year out. They're not really so old that I would expect them to be falling off a cliff or anything like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, you know, I, I don't want to go after last season's stats with a guy like William Contreras, who I do like perfectly well. Um, but, you know, I do think when you look at, at the ADP, like you said, um, William Contreras is going 71st overall. Like, I, there's no way I would take him that early. Yeah, I mean, I'm not either, and maybe we should just get right into the tiers because we are going di- to we are going to disagree a little bit on Real Muto because I do think that he could fall off a little bit. He's at the top of my second tier, and I do have William Contreras at the bottom of my first tier. So we both have Adley Rutschman and, and Will Smith there in the top tier, but I have William Contreras. But I totally agree with you. Like, I'm not going to be drafting him uh, there. He's at the bottom of that tier. If he somehow fell, if everybody in my league is like, I'm going to punt and wait on catcher, then you know, if I got him with pick 100, maybe I would get him because he is at the end of that tier um and then i have real muto at the top of my next tier so we we differ a little bit there but i agree with you that adley's the top catcher and a lot of it comes down to like he's gonna play every day you were talking about how catchers you know maybe play four times a week or something he might play six times a week uh you know so that's the differentiator with him you know he's also been the number two catcher in, in wins above replacement each of his first two seasons in the bigs like he's you know he's awesome uh he's he's he looks like he's going to be Buster Posey, rosy cheeks and all, you know, like uh, he's just, he's, he's going to be a mainstay for the catcher position. Um, and he's, you know, he's going to help you in like pretty much every category except stolen bases, which Rio Muto can. And that's probably a big reason why you might have Rio Muto in that top tier. Oh, well, absolutely it is. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Rushman first. Um, yeah. I mean, so, so what, like, so you think he's actually going to, going to be playing, every day or do you think he still gets like a, a game off a week or something like that i mean i know they um they don't really have uh a ton of uh bats on their bench that would maybe challenge him for getting getting some uh dh duties and things like that so um i guess i guess the thinking there would be uh when he's not catching they'll just they'll, they'll uh get his bat in the lineup anyway yeah, I mean, I feel like they, they have to. I mean, Santander uh, DH'd a lot last year. I think uh, Ryan O'Hearn did a little bit against righties. Uh, you know, Santander being a switch hitter and being a bit older, you know, he could DH more, and, and that could happen. But, like, Rutschman had played 154 games. I'm looking up his splits right now, uh, trying to to see how many uh, DH at-bats he actually had. Like, I I watched a lot of games. I didn't watch all of them, but I'm trying to see, like, <laughs> you know, did he have just a handful? But it, it could go down a little bit, but, I mean – if 154 is the benchmark, I don't see him playing 160, but I think he could certainly play 150 again, and I don't know that anybody else will. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I mean, I, I guess it's like it, it it really comes down to. I mean, we are still in January now. Like, do they 
add another bat of some kind um you know that can that can mix in more i mean right now roster resource has um you know of course jackson holiday uh is going to be uh in the lineup mm-hmm. now jordan westberg so there's some young players coming in uh but then you know they have ryan mountcastle as the dh right now um so you know i guess the question is do they do they find another kind of corner outfielder uh first baseman type guy that can mix in as well into that lineup but as it stands now i mean you're 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 probably right i mean rushman is one of their very best hitters in this lineup and um will be in the lineup more often than not uh, like he was last season so um that's a that's definitely a uh a big boost for him for sure. And, uh, he is my number one catcher as well. I just, um, I guess when I look at him, I, I just, uh, I don't want to get into a position where I'm paying for potential. You know, I feel like, yeah. Um, in, in keeper leagues, that makes more sense because you can be rewarded for five or 10 years. Uh, but in a redraft format, I generally am not the guy who's going to bake in huge, um, growth, even from a player, a special, as Adley Rushman. So, you know, if he repeats last season's numbers, I, I, I think that you you would have to be happy with that, honestly, because I mean he was he he was really good last season, you know? I mean he he uh he he basically immediately looked like a one of the better hitters at the position from from yeah. day one. So um so yeah, I mean I th- I think if he can get uh, 20 homers, 80 runs, 80 RBIs, 275 batting average. You'd take that every day, right? Heck yeah. And um, like you said, in like a keeper league, like the one that I'm in with you now, like where you can keep a guy forever, basically like, yeah, he's a good keeper uh, because he's still very young, you know, only two seasons under his belt. I was looking up his splits. He actually did DH 45 uh, games last year. So that is a lot. And yeah. Mount uh, Castle, you mentioned him. He missed some time last year with Vertigo. So like if those troubles are behind him, then yeah, I could see a scenario where maybe Adley, you know, only plays 140 or 45, but it's like, how can you keep that bat out of the lineup? I think that life will find a way there with uh, Rutschman. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, I would expect him to be like a top five catcher in plate appearances at, at the yeah. very least. That You know, whether he can um, outpace everyone else by as much as he did last year, I'm not so sure. But um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's certainly a big reason why he would be the number one catcher um but then also the fact you know with some guys when they get a lot of plate appearances you worry they're going to be a drain in batting average and that's not the case yeah. with him as well so um so yeah i mean i i certainly wouldn't like discount the idea that he could break out and like bump the home runs up into the 25 to 30 range and uh you know then you're talking really elite player that probably does deserve to go in the top 40 overall i just i i'm not gonna use a top 40 pick on a catcher, um, even one like Rushman. Yep. Um, well, do you want to get into your number two or, or I can, well, I, I mentioned it up top. I mean, I have, I have, um, real Muto and Will Smith in that same tier, uh, with Rushman. So I don't think there should be, I, I, I wouldn't draft. I probably am not drafting those guys either at their ADP, but I think right. it's, um, it's closer for me, I, I guess. I don't know. Like, I'm still not going to be taking them there. But, it, you know, it's one of those things where I'm probably not drafting a catcher until I've filled basically every other position on my roster uh, is, yeah. is how I'm looking at it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you you kind of hinted at it with Real Muto. I mean, like, he was the number one catcher in 2022. And, uh, 
last year he was the number six catcher, but that's like not exactly a massive collapse, you know? And uh, I just think he's the only player at the position that has a realistic chance of going 2020. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm just like, just like I'm not going to buy, um, I'm not necessarily going to buy that a guy's going to break out. I'm also not going to buy that, you know, one down year for a 32 year old means that he's, you know, going to collapse or something like that. I mean, he was still quite good last year. Um, He just wasn't quite as good. But if you look at his like strikeout rate, for example, last year, it was a career high 25.6%, which sounds bad Mm -hmm. career high, but that's (laughs) only marginally higher than it was in 2021 you know, uh, and in 2020. So he's proven he can hit in the 260, 265 range, even while striking out close to a quarter of the time. Uh, so I think last year's batting average is still probably like on the low end of what you could expect. He had 252 mm-hmm. um, power. I mean, it's pretty consistent, you know, it's not elite, but it's in that 20 home run range year in and year out. And the steals have really been there each of uh, the last three seasons in Philadelphia. So I, I like, I don't really see a reason that's going to tail off. Um, yeah. I mean, I basically, I just feel like he's a very safe, productive player. Like I feel like last year, his numbers were a little bit down and they'll probably come up some across the board and uh, maybe he won't be the number one catcher, but uh, he, he'd probably be better than number six. Yeah. And I guess I'm just looking a little bit of the glass half empty with real Muto because you're, I mean, all those things you said are right. I mean, he he probably will have double digit steals, but I just he's had other seasons where he didn't. It's been in the past, and like with the with the new rules and stuff, the fact that he was still able to steal sixteen is really good. I do worry a little bit that he could be losing a step, as you mentioned. He's what thirty two now, so I mean, if he doesn't steal fifteen to twenty bags and he steals eight to ten, then he doesn't have that differentiator. You know, if you look at the rest of his numbers, he just becomes like remember. Last year, we were ranking Dalton Varsho pretty high. He's not even a catcher eligible anymore, but like he had the steals and then he didn't, and his everything just kind of fell off for him. I don't think Real Muto will have a fall off like that, but I just think if the steals aren't there, he could be like the number 10 catcher or something. So I'm ranking him at the top of my next tier. He's my number four catcher. Um, so I, I would take Will Smith over Real Muto. Just, you know, he's young. He's in the, that Dodger lineup too. Uh, the Phillies have a good lineup too, good ballpark, but uh, yeah, I think when the, when the, clock hit me if I were in that position I would take Will Smith over Real Muto that's fair I mean I to me it's really a coin flip between those two guys but um but you know like with Real Muto I, I think even if the steals did dry up like he'd still be a pretty valuable player I mean like I don't think uh, you know a guy that can hit 270 with 20 home runs a catcher is not bad I mean that's still like I think yeah. that would still probably be better than than the number ten catcher, honestly. Um, so like he'd be in the mix there with like both of the Contreras brothers and some of these other guys we're going to talk about. Like I think he would have a similar stat line to those guys, you know, if he had five to eight steals. Yeah, no, that's fair. I just think like we haven't really seen that that decline happen yet. So yeah, I don't really like. I don't really feel like until I see it that I'm going to believe it's going to happen. I mean, it's it's certainly possible. Um, there's a little risk there, and maybe that. Maybe that is the tiebreaker to go with a Will Smith over a JT Real Muto. Like, I, I totally can see that. I mean, I have them in the same tier. So, like, for me, uh, it's really kind of pick your pick your flavor, you know. Because, I mean, Will Smith, like, is got, you know, he's, like you said, he is, he is younger. He's only 28. So, 
um, you know, theoretically in the prime of his career, although maybe catchers mm-hmm. age a little faster <laughs> than the rest. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I just think with Will Smith, it's like the runs and RBIs are, are the main thing you're paying for there. Um, you know, I think his power has proven it kind of taps out at about 25, and it was only at 19 last year. So, like, I do think he's going to bounce back there. Uh, the batting average, it's been right around 260 every year, you know. So um, so that's that's pretty much what you're looking at, 260, 20, 25 home runs and good run and RBI production. So I, I guess my, my, my thing is, like, I'd take the chance on Real Muto because I think he can pretty much do those same things with a few less runs and RBIs. Um, but he's got the potential to give you 15 steals that you're not going to get uh, from Will Smith. Yep. And I think for Will Smith, you know, he ranked first or second in home runs and RBIs in 2021 and 2022. Uh, you mentioned how he fell off a little bit last year, but just the fact that he was top in those categories. And, and really, if you look at like even last year, like if he hit three or four more home runs, if he played a few more games, he would, he would have been right up there again. So it was, it's pretty, the margin is pretty thin there. Uh, but, you know, they have Otani there now. And so like, I'm, I'm looking at how Will Smith has been a catcher. He's, he's started at catcher 108 to 116 games each of the last three years. And he's DH'd, you know, 15 to 25 the last couple of years. So if he doesn't DH and that's Otani, you know, I mean, like, again, it's the same thing we were talking about with Rutschman. I think they'll probably find a way to get him in there and give Otani a few days off, but not like 20 days off. I mean, maybe Otani gets hurt. Um, or they just maybe they do some load management or rest, and we've seen them do that with Clayton Kershaw and other folks. But I don't know that they're going to do that with uh, you know the billion dollar man Otani. So that 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 concerns me a little bit with Will Smith. Um, so like I have concerns about all these guys, which is why I'm not taking them, any of them probably like in the top seventy to hundred picks. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not like I, I don't have a ton of concern with them. It's more just like I just don't think the upside it justifies early picks, you know. But, um, right. <clears throat> you know, with that with that Dodger lineup, it is very top-heavy. So it does make you wonder if, like, they will try to prioritize getting keeping Will Smith's bat in the lineup somehow, like you said, even if he's not catching, uh, getting him uh, in a DH. Or I don't know, can he play the field at all? I mean, can he play first base? <laughs> like, I would I think know. catchers can play first, right? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, he's their cleanup hitter, uh, coming into the season. So like, you know, I think they're going to try to play him as much as they can. Um, yeah, but like, but yeah, I mean, I just, uh, you know, I don't know. just going back to the real Muto thing real quick. I just, I just feel like it's a cheat code when you can get 15 or 20 steals a catcher. I mean, it just gives you such a leg up over everyone else on your, uh, in your league. And I don't like to be the guy that has to draft like those, like, stolen base only guys that give you nothing else um yeah. i really don't like having players like that on my team so if you're able to just kind of sneakily get those steals there it puts a lot a lot less pressure on you to to reach for steals guys elsewhere in your draft and and there really isn't anyone uh to do that at the catcher position i mean connor wong had eight stolen bases for your red Sox last year he is mm-hmm. top five in sprint speed i was looking at baseball savant earlier so like he's got some speed for a catcher so like he maybe could steal 10 um, but good grief, like he's way down in my rankings. Like, I don't know if we'll even get to him today. <laughs> I don't know where you, you know, you're going to, you're going to take such a hit elsewhere. Um, yeah. Shay Lang, Langoliers didn't steal many last year. He's number one among catchers in sprint speed. If he got the green light more, uh, maybe he could steal 10 bases, but like, okay. I mean, he might not. So yeah, it, you're right. Like real Muto is the only one who we can really count on, count on it. And without taking a, a big hit in any other category. 
Yeah, I mean, I might, you know, honestly, the next guys I would look at would be like kind of deeper sleepers, like uh, maybe Gabriel Moreno or Bowden Naylor or something like that. You know, like maybe yep. maybe those guys can steal ten or fifteen bases. Yeah, Bo Naylor, maybe. Yeah, we'll get to him. He he could he could steal some bases too. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you have uh, Contrer- William Contreras ahead of Real Muto. Yeah. So is is he your number three catcher then? He is. So like he rounds out this tier for me, and then I have Real Muto. Um, yeah, like you know he had he had twenty home runs in ninety three games in twenty twenty two, and then he had just seventeen and one hundred and forty one last year. You know, kind of seems like he sold out a little bit of power for average. Um, but like I don't think the power is just gone, you know. And, and the Milwaukee, you know, that ballpark's a good good place to hit. Um, he was second among all catchers to Adley Rutschman in, in plate appearances last season. So if anyone, you know, of course anyone can get injured, but it's like he's he's the one who I would say is gonna maybe play quote every day at catcher uh, behind an Adley Rutschman. So that's another reason. Like if you're in a roto league um, and you just want to like a set it and forget it guy, I think he can be. Um, but I don't know. Maybe you disagree. Where do you have William Contreras? I mean, I do have him fourth. I just to me, he's like in a, in a tier lower because I just I don't know. I I just don't necessarily buy that. Um, he's uh, I mean, I think he's a decent bet for batting average. Um, but like, I don't know about the power. Like, maybe he can get to twenty home runs. Maybe. Um, and uh, I, I worry about the RBI and run opportunities in Milwaukee. I know you mentioned it's a good ballpark, but uh, that team is uh, is lacking in the lineup. So, um, yeah. you know, I'm not sure he's going to have a lot of uh, support in that lineup for him uh, to drive in runs. Certainly not to the extent that Will Smith will, for example. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I like I think he's fine. Um but I, I just don't – he just doesn't do anything that really stands out, in my opinion, you know. And I think that 289 batting average last year, like, is unlikely. I mean, that's like a best-case scenario probably, right? I mean, his expected batting average was 253. Now, he did outproduce his expected batting average significantly uh, in 2022 as well. So maybe <clears> that's <throat> something that's um, just not getting picked up by the StatCast data, but – I don't know. I, I, I would expect some significant batting average regression, and um, I just think he has a little bit less pop than some of the other guys uh, you can you can look at a catcher. Yeah, but like I mentioned, he and his brother, uh, Wilson, did both have six stolen bases too. So they, they do like contribute a, a handful, which, which also just bumps him up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he did last year. He, he had yeah. two career stolen bases before last year, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can I can see like adjusting my tiers to where I have Adley and Will Smith in a tier, and then William Contreras and Real Muto in a tier, and then these next guys, uh, at least for me to talk about. So, I mean, I'm ready to move on. If you want to go to like the next tier and talk about who you have, and we can kind of see if we have similar tiers. Sure. I mean, I I, I guess my thinking here is, I mean, Adley again kind of fits in his own category as like the the you mentioned Buster Posey. That's kind of who comes to mind for me too. Just like yeah. the potential to be that top catcher for years to come. Um, But like after that, it's like, I'm just kind of weighing more than just last season, like proven production. And that's why I have Real Mutu and Smith. But then, you know, Salvador Perez is another guy that I I would like to have up in that tier as well. Uh, But I can't quite do it just because of his age. Uh, You know, I just, I just feel like, um, I mean, first of all, we kind of always knew that like that 48 home run season that he had was going to be an outlier. Um, but I think some people kind of still held on to the idea that 
he could be a 30, 35 home run guy, like coming into last season. Like, I think there were still people feeling that way about it. And um, I feel like now after you look at what happened last year and the fact he's 33 and he, you know, I know I just said Real Muto is, you know, does, I don't think he's going to fall off at 32. So it's not a huge difference, but I mean, um, you know, Perez is going to turn 34 early in the season. And Mm -hmm. uh, he's just kind of always been this kind of lumbering big dude that puts a lot of pressure on his body, you know? So um, I don't expect him to fall off uh, a cliff or anything like that, but I just think, you know, we're not going to get better numbers than we got last season from him. And uh, those were fine, but like, you know, we're talking a guy that's going to hit 250 with, uh, you know, 20, 25 home runs. And then it becomes a question of how many runs can he drive in? And he's got Mm -hmm. a pretty good track record on that, but um, you know, it is the Royal. So I don't think you can necessarily count on huge run production numbers, but um, but he's an he's an accumulator at this point, you know. Like he is a guy, another one of these guys that uh, bats in the middle of the order, and they try to have him playing uh, as often as possible because they kind of need his bat in the lineup. So, um, so I like he's my fifth catcher. I think he's right there with William Contreras for me. Uh, a pretty safe uh, but unsexy pick. I'm fine with it. I mean, he's going to be behind Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, one way or another, and you got Vinny P. who might be able to drive him in if he can hit some doubles. You, you mentioned the, the power. I agree. Like, I don't think it's going to get any better. It's not going to get back to where it was. But, yeah, the consistency. He was a top three catcher in home runs and RBIs every season except one between 2017 and 2022. And then you mentioned last season he still had 80 RBIs, which was second among all catchers. Like, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, so, like, yeah, he's he's kind of a boring pick. Uh, like one that will slide down and I'd be fine if he's my starting catcher. He's my number seven catcher. Um, mm-hmm. I have a couple guys in front of him, like Wilson Contreras, who I've, I've mentioned a couple times now, like he's also kind of a boring, steady catcher. And one that last year I probably said the same thing of like, I don't think he's going to be a top three catcher, but he's probably going to be like the number seven or eight catcher. And that's you know, like, he, he'll put up numbers. And if he can put up five to seven stolen bases, he'll just add that in. Uh, so yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add to Perez other than yeah he's consistent um I have him similar in this tier with with Wilson Contreras for kind of the same reasons I mean Perez has had much more uh power in the past but I don't think it's necessarily coming back and I think like you mentioned at the top like 20 to 25 home runs for a catcher you can find it in here and these guys aren't going to kill your batting average either yeah and I I think also with when it comes to like these kind of catchers like again like you have to look at the price. I mean, it might just not be worth it taking them where they're going. Um, but like, yeah. uh, but you know, with Perez, I feel like he's at least like, he's a set it and forget it catcher. And it, you should look in the mirror as a fantasy manager and think about like, what, what will make you have peace of mind this season as, as yeah. you know, are you the kind of person that likes to tinker with your roster every single day? Or are you someone that kind of wants to just, have confidence that you know who's who's going to be in your lineup each you know each and every day, and you're not going to overthink it. Because if you're that kind of manager, if you're not the the kind that's like leading your league in waiver ads and things like that, like <laughs> Salvador Perez is a set in, forget it. So that works real well. I mean, I think for for other managers, there's other guys that are maybe more exciting that have like possibly a higher ceiling, but also a much lower floor. And if you draft one of those kind of players, like I have a couple of them in the same tier. Uh, with Salvador Perez but I feel like if you draft those guys 
you you have to have a plan B or you have to be willing to work the waiver wire and, and keep an eye on other catchers and uh, maybe make a move at some point. That's an excellent point. One that I was going to make at some point tonight because, yeah, I agree with you completely. And he is a set it and forget it. And they're going to try to keep him in the lineup. I know he's getting old, but I'm just looking at his, you know, games last year, his splits. He, he caught 90 games. He was at first for 21 games. He was DH for 29 I think that DH number is only going to go up. The catcher, the catcher number is going to go down. You know, he's probably not going to be in the backstop more than sixty or seventy games. I bet. And and he was relatively, you know, he's been relatively healthy too. So I think they want to keep him healthy, and that means probably more DHing, which is a good thing. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they do have um, MJ Melendez there as well, so um, mm-hmm. it's easy enough to uh, to put him in a, a catcher. And you know, he's the young guy with the fresh knees. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. More, relatively speaking, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, and and the other thing I will just say about the RBIs with with Perez is like he's always been in Kansas City and they've always been a below average offense and it hasn't kept him from from driving in a lot of runs. So I'm not going to overrate that uh, that lineup situation either. Yep. All right. Um, well, one guy that we yeah, haven't talked ahead. about yet. My my number five catcher is is Yaner Diaz, Yaner Diaz mm-hmm. uh, for for the Astros. So you talked at the top about like. Not just looking at last year and stuff, but it, you know, if you're looking for upside, you know, you look at someone who doesn't have the track record, who kind of bursts on the scene last year, and that's that's Diaz. Uh, you know, he only played in 104 games, but he had the same number of home runs, 23 as Salvador Perez. You know, he had 60 RBIs, playing in a good, much better lineup uh, than the Royals. You know, he's in he's in Houston, so I, I just look at, you know, they don't have Maldonado there anymore, uh, and so he might catch a little bit more. I just. I think he could potentially do it again. Again, like I'm probably not going to pay up for him. I'm, look, I'm looking at his ADP, which is 117, and so yeah, I'm probably not going to pay that because I'm looking at ADP. He's going around guys like Teoscar Hernandez and Anthony Santander, you know, pitchers like Tanner Bybee and third baseman Josh Young, like Jordan Walker. Oh my gosh, like no way. You know, I love Jordan Walker. Like I'm probably not going to take Diaz over any of those outfielders because I'd rather take my third outfielder than my first catcher. Yeah, I I mean he's the guy I was I was actually thinking of when I was talking about made that point about Salvador Perez and you know are you the kind of manager that just wants the the, the safe option or do you want to uh, you know get a little more adventurous and I do feel like right. Diaz there's a there's definitely a path to him being significantly more valuable than Perez for the simple reason that uh, you know he can hit for he hit two eighty two last season and. Uh, his expected average was 287. So, it, you know, it was totally supported. Mm-hmm. The slugging percentage was also totally supported by the stack cast numbers. So um, it's not like he got lucky. It wasn't flukish, you know. Um, but, uh, and, and you know, he hit 25 home runs uh, between double and triple A uh, in 2022 as well. So the power's there. The batting average was also there in the minors. Um, so this guy, yeah, I mean, this is a guy that can swing the bat. Um you know, I had him last year, and I won a fantasy championship with him. Um, I will say that uh, I probably dropped him once or twice uh, in the season <laughs> yeah. and picked him back up because, you know, the playing time was a, a huge issue for him for a big chunk of the year. Um, now, you know, with, with the uh, changes in Houston and Maldonado no longer there, uh, it, it seems like he's going to be close to an everyday player, but we don't really know for sure. Um, so. Right. That's just a risk that you kind of have to take um, if you, you know, Victor Caratini is the backup catcher and 
Um, he's nothing special, but he's he is a, a solid major league player who's been in in the league for a few years now, and um, we'll get we'll get some starts, you know. So um, I don't think Perez is gonna or, or Diaz, I'm sorry, is gonna play every day, but um, I, I would expect him to be in the lineup, you know, four times a week at least, something like that. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the possibilities with him, and he is a guy that I would. I, I would certainly consider taking over a Salvador Perez or William Contreras, honestly. So, like for me, um, I, I that it's just one more reason for me not to, um, not to not to hurry out and uh, and and spend an early pick um, on one of those other guys, right? Because yeah, Diaz, he's my number five catcher. You know, he has that upside. Like yeah, if he plays 130, 35 games, he likely could do what he did last year with the counting stats, right? And we'll see about the average and all that. Like you said. He can probably do that again based on his expected average and all. Like, yeah, he he looks he looks really good. I mean, he could have a sophomore slump. We saw his teammate Jeremy Pena have a little bit of a sophomore slump. Like that happens. That's that's why it's like, do you trust the the proven track record versus like the upside of a little bit of unknown? But it, it's hard to it's hard to ignore it. Um, but yeah, I I don't think that I'll I'll pay up for it because I'd rather get this year's Yaner Diaz, you know, mm-hmm. or this year's William Contreras for that matter because like people weren't drafting William Contreras where he's going now. And I don't think you should now. But last year, like you said, that these are the kinds of guys who help win you championships. But you were getting them way later. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so you know, Yiner Diaz, at least at least according to the ADP numbers we have at Fangraphs, I mean, there is a pretty sizable gap um, between where William Contreras is going and where uh, Yiner Diaz and Salvador Perez are going. So like those guys are in a range where. I could see them, you know, if I drafted 10 teams, like maybe I'd have a couple teams with those guys on them. Yeah. Um, but like, I'm certainly not reaching for them because there are other guys too that I, that I like uh, in that range. And uh, speaking of which, I mean, I, this tier for me also includes Sean Murphy and Wilson Contreras. Um, me too. Yeah. So you mentioned Wilson Contreras a little bit. I, you know, he's a player that used to be going earlier too. I mean, he was, uh, you know, before William Contreras was a thing, Wilson Contreras uh, in his Cubs days was sneaking into the top three or four catchers uh, in the rankings. Uh, I wasn't the one paying for that price either, uh, but he's kind of a quietly consistent guy. I mean, he's a mm-hmm. 257 lifetime hitter, and he's never hit 25 home runs or 75 RBIs in a season, um, but he's still been a top nine catcher every single season since 2017. So, He's like the ultimate compiler and like high floor, low ceiling kind of a guy. Um, so, you know, uh, if you're if if you're the, that kind of guy we talked about that doesn't want to guy or gal who doesn't want to uh, tinker and you miss out on Salvador Perez, he's probably a good fallback option. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there was a time last season, you know, he had a really rough May. I'm looking at Wilson Contreras. He had he batted 158, had three home runs, uh, you know, he had 14 RBIs, which was really good. But you know, he was struggling a little bit at the beginning, but for the most part, like in, in the overall uh, s- scheme of things, you're right. Like he's a, he is a set it and forget it guy. He's right up there as my catcher number six. So he's in mm. this tier for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, I've got him at eight. I have Perez, Salvador Perez seven. So those two guys, I mean, I could easily flip flop them. Like they're kind of the same thing to me, the set it and forget it type. And then I have Sean Murphy eight, who you also mentioned. And that, Murphy rounds out this tier for me. Um, I think, I think Murphy might be the guy like, if I can get him in this tier, I'd be happy because, like, he had a great, you know, start to the season. He was, like, on his way to being a top three fantasy catcher. And then I think it was in June he had the hamstring injury. 
just really struggled after the All-Star break. And who knows, maybe it was due to the injury. Maybe it was some other things. But, I mean, he had a great first half. Like, he looked like the number one catcher in fantasy. So, I'm hoping that people look at his second half and go, oh, man, like, he's fallen off because I'll take Sean Murphy as my starting catcher. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, for me, it kind of, like, this year is, like, you know, William Contreras, Salvador Perez, and Wilson Contreras are, like, kind of the the high floor boring kind of guys to me and Yiner Diaz and Sean Murphy are like the upside guys but you don't know exactly what the playing time is going to look like because that's kind of the concern with Murphy I think is that um, when he did start even before he started struggling last season he he was not getting as much playing time as I think just about everybody was expecting based on the huge contract uh, that they signed him to after they they traded for him it just uh, it seemed like they were really invested in him, and then uh, he was <laughs> he was just losing a lot of playing time to Travis Darno, uh, who is a pretty decent player in his own right and is still on the roster. So, um, you know, and this is a team that uh, I, I don't know. I mean, they maybe they maybe they have room for him uh, occasionally at DH as well. But Marcelo Zuna has got that spot locked down right now and uh, played really well last uh, season actually. So. Um, you know, surprisingly well, I would say even, although I, you know, I was, I was, had a bold prediction that he would be good last season. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so not, not too shocking for me, I guess, but you know, with their outfield, I mean, they've got, uh, they've got really good players there. I mean, Jared Kelnick is of course the wild card, I suppose, but, um, <laughs> but so maybe Ozuna ends up <laughs> moving to the outfield and they could get Murphy some at bats at DH, but the the point being, I, I do think you know his playing time production is um, a little bit up in the air, and that's kind of the main the main um, concern you would have with Murphy. But um, but I just think like he could be so productive on a per game basis that like that's kind of okay. I mean, like even yeah. even if he only plays a hundred ten games or so, like he could still be a top ten fantasy catcher. And then if he does end up playing 130, 140 games then you're looking at maybe a top five guy. Yep. Braves scored the most runs in the league last year. Um, you know, your Dodgers were second. I think Dodgers were the most the year before, um, but the Braves are right up there. Uh, I don't know if they'll do it again, but you want a piece of that lineup. Um, that's, a, that's a good way to get it. Is uh, he, That's why he's at the bottom of this tier for me, though, too, because, like, yeah, he could – the playing time could be an issue. I remember, like you said, like last year, the first week or two of the season, we were like, what is going on with the Braves? Why are they not playing him? <laughs> like, is this going to be all season? And then yeah. – it, it quickly changed. It was like, yeah. well, like week week three or so, it's like, okay. Because he ended up having a really good uh, April. But, yeah, it's like you said. Do you want to set it and forget it or just have a guy where you can you can plug him in and maybe there's some other guys we're going to talk about in a little bit. And depends on also, like, your bench. Do you want to have two catchers? Are you comfortable adding and dropping a guy like Sean Murphy? Are you in a shallow league, deep league, et cetera? Yeah, I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it is that simple. Maybe it's about performance with him. Like, you know, if he if he's hot, then he'll be their everyday catcher. And if he starts right. slumping a bit, then they'll be like, let's give Darno some at-bats, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's not a situation you see with most teams um, uh, that that are paying their starting catcher the kind of money they're paying uh, Sean Murphy. So that's a little interesting. I mean, the other thing, of course, is we are still kind of projecting with Sean Murphy because um, during his years in Oakland, I mean, he, he never hit more than 18 home runs in any season. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, we so like there was a lot of hype about Sean Murphy going into last season just because he was getting out of 
that cavernous park in Oakland and going to a much more hitter-friendly environment with a much better lineup around him in Atlanta. So there were a lot of people that were buying in real hard on Murphy last season. Um, There were times, like you said, in the first half of last season where that looked like it was totally warranted. And then he really struggled uh, down the stretch of the season. Um, So... You know, it is another kind of just question mark exactly what uh, a a full good season for Sean Murphy in Atlanta would look like. But I think the fact that he hit 21 home runs uh, in only 108 games last year does show you that, like, the power potential is significantly higher uh, in Atlanta now. Yeah, I wonder if people were buying in because we saw, you know, his buddy Matt Olson kind of do a similar thing. Uh, you know, he struggled a little bit coming over and then we all know how that story ended and i know we'll do first baseman in our next preview but uh so a little little preview there but uh yeah mm-hmm. so it sounds like we've gotten through the first eight catchers and we have all the same is that right we just have a little bit different tiers but yeah i think that's i think that's uh that's right but then i guess you know the next tier of guys for me is guys i still am pretty intrigued by and i like me too. i would be perfectly fine with any of them being my catcher especially if I, if i'm one of those tinkering types Okay, well, I mean, let, let's hear it. Who do you have? Okay, so I have Francisco Alvarez at 9, Logan okay. Ohapi at 10, Kiba Ruiz at 11, and Luis Campusanu at 12. And I'm, you might be wondering where Cal Raleigh is. Um, I have him at 13 in another tier because I just okay. – uh, the batting average is just such a wart for him that, like, even though the power yep. is there, like – I think Cal Raleigh will finish as a top 12 catcher, but I think he'll be towards the back of that top 12. And I would rather take a shot on one of these young guys uh, with, with, I mean, again, talking about a single catcher league, like a 10 or 12 team league with one catcher, I'd rather take my shot on one of these young upside guys. And, uh, and if it doesn't pan out, I feel like I'll be able to find um, at least somewhat similar production to what a Cal Raleigh could do. Okay. Well, we're we're gonna start to differ here a little bit as we get deeper, um, but I have I have some similar guys here. I mean, I have Ohapi and Alvarez, but I have them eleven and twelve. I do have Cal Raleigh at nine, and I have Jonah Heim at ten. So I have Jonah Heim in this tier. Mm-hmm. Now he had a what ninety five RBIs last year, so don't expect him to repeat that. I mean, I looked it up, and over the last ten years, only two other catchers have done that that ninety five RBI number. It was Buster Posey and Sal Perez, two guys we've already mentioned a few times on this podcast. So I don't think Jonah Heim is gonna suddenly fit into that category but I do think he can still have 18 to 20 home runs and 65 70 you know RBIs like that's a good offense too you know we saw what the Rangers could do uh maybe they're not going to be as productive as the Braves but that's a nice lineup that you want maybe a piece of too so I, I put Jonah Heim in this category too as a little bit more of a set it and forget it but I mean they have some young guys coming up too uh some outfielders and they might be trying to find some room as well but I, I had Jonah Heim in this, in this tier with with some of those guys you mentioned Okay, that's fair. I mean, um, I had him right there with Cal Raleigh, like in that tier. Um, yep. So, um, not too far behind. I just he's another guy that like I, I don't know. I just sort of feel like last season was a best case scenario, and not just in terms of the RBIs. Uh, you know, I think the two fifty eight batting average was also much much higher than he had done in any other season. So. No, I mean, granted, you know, he doesn't have a huge track record, like a huge, uh, you know, resume where it, you right. could say it was like this massive outlier. But I mean, you know, he played half a season um, in 2021 and 127 games in 2022 and was a, ba- a pretty big batting average liability both of those seasons. So, like, 
you know, I just don't, I don't know. I don't really see the 258 happening again. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, the stack cast numbers did at least back it up. So that's, I guess, the, the, the uh, glass half full side of it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I think he's, he's fine. Um, I just think that uh, last year was pretty clearly um, the best case scenario for him, uh, particularly in the batting average and RBI categories. So I just, yep. I just looked at, I think, I think he can kind of be similar to what he was last year with, with the power and the run production, like run scored. Um, but he, you know, he, he might be more, um, yeah, just kind of middling player overall, like not going to really stand out in in any category. Yeah. I mean, if I thought he could hit two sixties to two seventy, he'd be up there with a Wilson Contreras, but that's why, I, you know, no way was I going to put him in that tier, but yeah, I, I think he makes sense near Cal Raleigh. We just have, we have those guys a little bit uh, further down. I think it's interesting. You have Francisco Alvarez and Logan O'Hoppy a little bit higher because I, I think you're right. Like they are some high upside guys, right? Like Francisco Alvarez finished second in home runs among, among all catchers. He only had 423 plate appearances. <laughs> so like, mm-hmm. it's pretty incredible that he did that. Um, but like Omar Narvaez is still there. Uh, they paid him too. So like, he's going to, he's going to catch, you know, and, and we saw Alvarez struggle at times, you know, he strikes out a lot. Like we could see, actually I have to look up his K rate before I say that he strikes out a lot. I feel like he does. Um, but uh, yeah, Point being is that like he, I don't see him catching you know 130 games uh, or even playing 130 40 games, but he might not have to because he didn't last year and he still <laughs> hit a ton of home runs. So, like, what's your outlook on Alvarez this year? Well, I mean, he struck out 26 percent of the time last season, which is not really that high. Like when you see he hit 209, you would have expected as a you know as this rookie that he would have had this massive strikeout rate, and um, yeah. that wasn't really the case. Um, he did. You know, he did sort of have a uh, his ups and downs, shall we say. I mean, he looked like a superstar through July. Like, he was just, like, looked like he was going to have this complete massive breakout and then stumble pretty badly down the stretch. Um, but that's not really surprising for a 21-year-old who was in his first full major league season. So, right. I, I don't know. I just look at it like he's, he's an elite prospect with the bat. And... uh I just think there's like a ton of upside there and the floor might not look like, yes, the ultimate floor is that he like gets sent back down to the minors or something. But like (laughs) if he, if he plays all season, like I think the floor is pretty similar to Cal Raleigh actually. Yeah, I would think so. I think that's a good point. I'm I'm just looking like at his ADP. He's going as the number 10 catcher. So pretty much kind of right here where we're, we have him. So if you draft him there and he and that outcome of him going back to the minors does happen, I mean, there there are some other guys that we're gonna, we're going to talk about too. I mean, Logan O'Hoppy, who you mentioned, like he was also like he was like the, I think he was the top prospect for the Angels entering last season, uh, and you know he tore his labrum, and uh, and that was in April, so he had surgery, and I remember uh, leaving him in the rankings for a long time, and because it was like I was like, man, he's done, and we kept him in our in our rest of season rankings, and sure enough, he came back. And he, he finished strong, so like he showed like what he can do, uh, and that that right there I think put puts him on the on the map for fantasy managers this year. Like if he didn't if he didn't come back and do what he did, he'd be a sleeper this year. But right as it is, he's I mean there aren't really many sleepers in fantasy anything anymore. But like you know like he'd be going as like maybe the catcher twenty or something if he didn't do that. But he finished mm-hmm. strong and showed what he could do. Yeah, I mean to me like this, what this really just comes down to is like strategy. You know, I mean. Again, like we're we're our focus here is talking about a ten or twelve team league with one catcher, um, and 
there's just a lot more than 12 interesting names on this list. So, like, if th- if that's the case, like, I would rather go for shoot for the moon. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if, if you ask me to rank, like, how I predict these guys will finish, like, I do think there's a pretty good chance that, like, Cal Raleigh uh, and Jonah Heim finish ahead of these guys in the rankings. But I feel like if these guys hit, like, you know, if they're if they really deliver on their potential – they could be the number one catcher, you know, like they have that mm-hmm. upside in them. So, uh, whereas like a guy, there's no scenario where Cal Raleigh, in my opinion, can be the number one catcher, you know, like even if he hit 40 home runs, I don't think he'd be the number one catcher just because of what his batting average is going to look like. So, um, so that's why in the, that's like, as a strategy matter, I like shoot, aiming for these, these young upside guys and seeing if they can, kind of take a big step forward and uh and that's why i like to to, to uh, prioritize alvarez ohapi and and then you know keeper ruiz um he's a guy you know i liked coming into last season as well yeah um, and he actually took a pretty big step forward in the power department last season which i don't think a lot of people saw coming um and then he also hit 363 games after the all-star break and that i did see coming i mean he's Showing he's got the batting average skill, the the bat, um, you know, he makes a lot of contact, basically. Yep. Um, you know, he's another guy that he plays in Washington, so like it's gonna the run in RBI numbers may not be uh, outstanding, but um, at least you know when you're in those situations, you do tend to have a pretty prominent spot in the batting order, so uh, that can maybe counteract that to some extent. So, you know, he's he's another guy that like maybe he doesn't have like that top three overall catcher ceiling um but like i think he could be a a top five to seven catcher if he takes a step forward i think he would be a top three or could be if he played for the dodgers or braves or (laughs) one of these like you mentioned you know that nats lineup is it's just not very good and that's going to hold him back um otherwise he'd definitely be in my top 10 he's number 13 for me in the start of a new tier uh i have gabriel moreno who we mentioned like you know, kind of similar, right? Like Moreno can can push to bat 300 as well. We we saw Ruiz do it, like you said, and, and the power was there. I, I loved Moreno when he was in Toronto, you know, and I thought, all right, he's coming to Arizona. My 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 baby Diamondbacks, right? Like I talked about them a lot last year. Um, I liked him at the beginning of the season. Said I thought they were a year away, and gosh, they made it all the way to the World Series. It's kind of crazy, mm-hmm. but you know, now they don't have uh, Carson Kelly there. Um, they still have, uh, I forget who, the, uh, Jose Herrera is probably going to get some starts. But I think Moreno could be that guy who plays 130 to 35 games, you know, takes that step, is in the lineup a little more often. He was really good in, in the World Series, you know, in the playoffs. I think he had four home runs in the postseason. So people know him too. Uh, from from If they watch the postseason, they know Gabriel Moreno. So he's 14 after uh, uh, Kiebert Ruiz. And then you mentioned MJ Melendez. I want to mention him here too because I have him. He only played nine games at catcher. So depending on what kind of league you're in, if you're in Yahoo, he's catcher eligible, but other leagues he might not be. Like I don't know what ESPN, if they're 10 games or what CBS does, but MJ Melendez might be a little bit of a cheat code if he can you know, improve the batting average because I feel like he'll play uh, like maybe not every day, but more than a lot of these catchers we're, we're, we've already talked about even. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I. I have the I have Moreno and Melendez down in a, a further down tier. Um, I do like Moreno. I just I, I just don't know if there's going to be that much power yet. I mean, I, I feel like he's he's still really growing into. The, you mentioned the, the the postseason power, 
Maybe yep. maybe that's the start of something. But I mean, he only hit seven home runs in 111 games during the regular season. That's uh, that's a real low number. So um, yeah. he's like he seems like a very polished hitter to me. But um, he didn't hit for a ton of power in the minors either. So um, I, I just that's that's one where I kind of need to see it to believe it that the power is going to be there. And um, you know, whereas Kieber Ruiz like actually showed that you know last season. I mm-hmm. mean, he hit 18 home runs. Uh, so like that's a significantly higher number um, than Moreno. So uh, you know, like I feel like their batted ball skills might be sort of similar, although um, you know the strikeout rate was also a lot lower for Ruiz, uh, only ten point three percent, which is outstanding. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, so to me, there's a, a little bit of a gap uh, between those two guys, um, and then like MJ Melendez. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. He, I've got him down at eighteen overall. Um, I just like I, I was excited about him when he first came up, but um, he just has hit for really low batting averages since he's been in the major leagues, and the power has been okay, but it hasn't been as amazing as I thought it would be based on what he did in the minors. Uh, it just hasn't it hasn't fully translated yet, and I know he's only twenty five, so like yeah, you know that could change. Of course, it could change, but again, like he's one where I'm just I'm probably not gonna. Uh, pay for the projection you know like I feel like um, I just I feel like I've seen more from guys like Francisco Alvarez Ohapi Ruiz and uh, you know another guy Luis Campusano like I mean he only played 49 games last year um, for the Padres but like he was really good 319 batting average seven homers 30 RBIs I mean he hit uh, as many home runs in in forty nine games as Gabriel Moreno hit in one hundred and eleven. You know, so like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just uh, <clears throat> that's impressive. And um, I mean, he he's a guy that also you know showed a bit of pop and batting average combo in the minors in Triple A, mm-hmm. um, both in in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. So um, you know, he's another one where you don't know exactly what the playing time is going to look like. I think that's probably the the main concern, but like, uh, you know, he's, he's a, he's the kind of guy I wouldn't mind taking a shot on uh, because like you, you draft him. And then if he, he gets off to a hot start the first week or two, you could end up just riding him all season long. Yeah. I have him at 16. So he's, he's right. That, like we're talking about a lot of the same guys. You just have, we have him in a little bit different order, but my, my note that I'd made to myself on Capisano was, I, I was also going to mention the low strikeout rate, just 12.1%, which is really good. And I, my note was that he has the tools to put up numbers similar to Cuba Ruiz. You know, he, it's just been a small sample size in the majors. But you mentioned, mm-hmm. like, his AAA numbers, uh, you know, 21, 22. Like, they, they were really good. So that's why I have him a bit lower because Ruiz did it. We've seen it in the majors. And it's just such a small sample size that I've just – he's lower for me. But I could see – I can see the potential. And the other person who I can see potential who I have right after him, we mentioned Bo Naylor earlier. And again, yeah, playing time. You know, they brought Austin Hedges back to Cleveland, who's going to play. Like, he's been there before and he's played. So I just think, like, just like Moreno last year, uh, you know, he was capped by the playing time. And I think once Bo Naylor gets to be like the 130 to 35 games, you know, he could steal 10 to 12 bases, like we were talking about, which is very interesting. Maybe he steals 20. <laughs> you know, he really mm-hmm. could. So he could be that JT Real Muto. I just don't know that it's going to be this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think he's like a really interesting lottery pick type of a player uh, to take if you, you know, if you just basically punt the position until the end of your draft. Because I mean, that's yeah. This is what we're talking about with these guys. I mean, like, and this is this is all part of the reason. Like, 
you don't need to spend an early pick on a, on a catcher. I mean, some of these guys we're talking about now are not even going to get drafted. If you play in a 12-team right. league, let alone a 10-team league, and it's only one catcher, like a lot of these guys are not going to get drafted. You know, by ADP, um, you know, Francisco Alvarez is, is the is the catcher 10 off the board. Gabriel Moreno is 11th. Kiba Ruiz is 12th. Logan Hoppy is 14th. Bo Naylor is 15. Uh, MJ Melendez 17. Luis Camposano is 18. You know, so like those guys are probably not going to get drafted. <laughs> like a lot of right. those guys are not going to get drafted in your league. So like if you, for example, draft Francisco Alvarez and, you know, he starts off the season just striking out four times every game and and gets benched or sent to the minors, like maybe, you know, you see Capisano on the waiver wire and he's off to a hot start. You just make the switch, you know, like, or yeah. Bo Naylor, make the switch. Um so that's like that's why I just like to go for these young upside guys at this position because I, it's just if you draft Cal Raleigh or um, Jonah Heim, you're just kind of locked in. You're just like that's who I'm gonna have, and you could miss out on a breakout. All right, well I've got to mention one more person here then before we move on to like another tier. And you mentioned ADP. His ADP right now is three fifty eight, and I'm I'm cheating a little bit because he's not even catcher eligible. But Henry Davis, so mm. Pittsburgh Pirates, number one overall pick in 2021. Uh, it sounds like he, they're going to try to move him back to catcher. So this is someone you could draft, you know, at the end of your draft. Um, people aren't even, like, he won't even be on the list for people, you know, who are drafting. So, like, you could draft him. He's only going to be an outfielder. But, like, if he catches five games in the first week or two, okay, now you can play him at catcher. And I think he could be uh, this high upside kind of cheat code so like i'm looking at him in this range as well with guys like bo naylor mj melinda's Capisano, like all these guys oh hoppy uh, i think henry davis can't forget about him because he's not catcher eligible yet but he will be yeah that's a great call i didn't rank him just because he's not catcher eligible but yeah i mean he's he kind of he's the guy that feels a little bit like the the dalton varsho of of uh this class like you know like just yeah the, um maybe not a pure catcher um, but like can kind of chip in across the board. Um, I remember like last season when he got called up, I, I got outbid for him by like a dollar or something. And I like, yeah, was trying to trade for him in our league. And it was just like, you know, it was one of those situations where it was like the cat was out of the bag and it was like, I wasn't going to mm-hmm. pay enough to get the guy that got him to move <laughs> him, but I, I, I did want him pretty badly. So um, yeah. you know, he, it ended up that he didn't, he didn't really do a ton last season, but you know, even, even just looking at with, with those numbers, I mean, he struggled, but he did hit seven homers and 225 at bats. Like that's 20 homer power right there, probably, uh, over a full season. Cause a sure. guy like that, you know, playing all, you know, multiple positions, like is going to get more playing time than most guys. And, and, you know, he could get double digit steals as well, potentially. Yeah, I mean, like when we talked about at the top, like guys who could get those double-digit steals. Uh, I didn't mention Henry Henry Davis because I wanted to spring him on you here in the middle of the, middle to end of the show. So there there it is, Henry Davis. <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Um, you know, one other guy I haven't talked about that um, is uh, is in the tier for me with Cal Raleigh and Jonah Heim is Mitch Garver. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I, like Mitch Garver is he's a good hitter. He's he's a guy that like doesn't stay healthy <laughs> for long stretches, and that's kind of always been the story with him. But like. He's shown a lot of potential, a lot of power, I should say, um, over his career at various times. And, um, you know, he's 
slated for near every day at bats as a, as a designated hitter this season for Seattle and um, maybe an occasional catcher as well. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I think he could be like kind of a sneaky option. Like, again, like he's in this kind of tier of, of these, these boring guys for me, but like um, if you're not going the young guy route, um, I think he's another guy that could be kind of a sneaky pr- productive guy. Yep. Uh, I have him down at, looks like 19 so he's he's in this next tier uh with some guys it sounds like we have pretty similar again like maybe one through 18 we've gotten through about 18 to 20 catchers at this point and then i mentioned shay langoliers uh you know like i mentioned i think i think he can hit 20 home runs again i know he plays for the the, the oakland athletics and he has a 30 percent strikeout rate and he could hit near 200 so those are not good things but i do think he could steal some more bases and like I don't know. I just like we talked about hitting 20 to 25 home runs and like he's someone who could he could play every day. Um, but yeah, he might not get too many runs in RBIs. But Mitch Garver, I have him next. Then I have your boy Alejandro Kirk. Uh, sorry to call him your boy. But like, you know, not I know boy anymore. Not anymore. But like, <laughs> I don't want to forget about him either. You know, like, but he won't get the playing time. You know, it's him and Danny Jansen who I have much later. But I, I just I don't think Alejandro Kirk did enough especially as a DH, you know, in 17 games as a DH last year, he batted 204 with no home run. So like, he, he hit better when he was actually behind the plate. Um, but as a DH, he didn't do much. But I still think he's a very good hitter. And so, like, I have guys like him, Elias Diaz for Colorado um, in this tier with these other kind of boring guys. Like, you know what you're getting with Elias Diaz. And he plays in Colorado. So mm-hmm. I kind of had to put him sort of in the, in the 20s, the, you know, 21, 22 range. Yeah, I mean, I would actually take Elias Diaz over Alejandro Kirk or Shea Langoliers, for that matter. Okay. Um, I, you know, Kirk actually, or I'm sorry, Diaz actually snuck into the top 12 at the catcher position in fantasy last season. Yeah. And uh, it's not because he's a special player, but playing your home games at Coors, you know, that helps. <laughs> so, it does. Um, you know, I feel like in a two-catcher league, like he's a guy I'd be – totally happy with as my as my second catcher in in a single catcher league I, I don't think there's a scenario where I would be drafting him just because I don't I don't really see the upside I just think it's um I just think it's like a, a high floor uh relatively speaking um Kirk you know he makes a lot of contact but it's like really weak contact so mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm very much over him and even outside of the playing time like I just don't think he you know he's a he's kind of a stocky guy but he doesn't have any power so um, you know, uh, he and Kiba Ruiz might have looked similar at one point, but now I think it's pretty clear that Ruiz is the far superior uh, fantasy asset. Yeah, um, no doubt. And then uh, one other guy I would mention that I would rank above all of those guys we were just talking about uh, is uh, Tyler Stevenson. Hmm. Um, now, you know, he he's a guy that's like a little hard to predict because – he really far outproduced his expected batting average in 2021 and 2022, and then last year that that didn't happen, and his value really fell apart. So, um, you know, and he's a, he's another guy that's kind of had trouble staying healthy as well. So um, it's hard to know exactly what you'll get from him, but he does play in Cincinnati. It's a good place to be, um, I, and he's still relatively young as well. So, um, you know, I feel like he, you know maybe the shine is worn off on him for a lot of people. Um, but I, I, I think he's still like, for me, he's right there with MJ Melendez. Like these guys haven't really, um, put it together, um, over their first couple seasons in the league, like you were hoping they would, but there's still a lot of potential there. Yeah, that's fair. I, you know, this is the third season I've been doing this with you and (laughs) I talked about Tyler Stevenson. I know like 
a couple years ago when we first started doing this and it was like you know playing in that ballpark and this and that but he just never he didn't really do do much and then he kind of burned me a little last year I mean he hit for a nice average in 2022 but the last year he just really fell off didn't do a whole lot so like I'm just like I'm just more off him but like I see why you like him I've liked him and just I'm just like off him now maybe like with you and Alejandro Kirk I don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's fair that's fair well if you if you want to uh have a gentleman's bet on Tyler Stevenson versus Alejandro Kirk. We could look into that. Yeah, that be... maybe we could do bat. Maybe we could do batting average. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll come up with something. We'll look into it. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure. Our, I'm sure our listeners are on their edge of the seat, waiting to, <laughs> I know, to right? see what what bet of the uh, you know bottom rung fantasy catchers we're going to make. Um, once you get down this far, I mean, we're at like 23, 24 for me. Um, there are a couple guys with some upside. We were, I was mentioning Patrick Bailey before we got started because we were looking at wins above replacement, and I was like, oh, his name's up there. Uh, he's still pretty young, was a good prospect at one point. Um, Austin Wells for the Yankees, you know, former first-round pick, should have a chance to start at least against righties. Um, I think he'll platoon with Trevino, but, like, he could be really good. He's young. There's some upside, even in a part-time role. Like, what if he plays 100 games? Um He's in Yankee Stadium and a good lineup. So I think Austin Wells, again, like if I'm in a two-catcher league, maybe I'd take a stab on him late in the draft, just see what happens. But he's probably someone you could just drop, you know, if, he, if it doesn't pan out for the first month or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think now we're we're definitely talking about like low-end catcher twos for those two-catcher leagues. So like yeah, for me at this point, like I, I might just be looking at like playing time. I mean, you're trying to find like a warm body. You know what I mean? Uh, I actually think Danny Jansen, like I, I like him better than Alejandro Kirk this season potentially. Oh like, man, I don't know. It's close. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do have Kirk ranked higher, but um, I'm just looking at like the ACT, uh, ATC projections, and they actually have Jansen uh, earning more fantasy value uh, than Kirk this season. Um, Ryan Jeffers is another name to keep him keep an eye on in Minnesota. I mean, I don't know how much playing time he'll get, but if he gets a lot, he he could be useful. Jan Gomes is a guy I always have liked. I mean, um, yeah, you know, I, that's another situation where um, playing time could be an issue. <laughs> I mean, you would think that the you know the Cubs would uh, rather start someone else, <laughs> um, and uh, you know, rather than a an aging catcher who's on the downside of his career. But uh, yeah, we we see players like this year in and year out find their way to playing time. You know, so like. Yep. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's like, I feel like there's going to be, you know, a lot of, of the fan base that will be saying, oh, you know, let's play the young guy. Let's play, uh, let's play Miguel Amaya. Uh, and the, uh, and the old school management are going to be like, no, nope, we're going to play Jan Gomes. <laughs> <laughs> Jan Gomes. Or, you know, down, down in this area, I have Gary Sanchez listed, even though he doesn't have a team right now, but like, he hit 19 bombs last year for the Padres in 71 games. I mean, he's probably going to bat 200, but if he lands with a team and and looks like he might, you know, actually be on a team to start the season, I I, I could draft him late in a two catcher league. If not, you know, just keep your eye out. Like have him have him on your watch list because other teams are doing the same thing. And like he's like a mercenary. He's going to come in and he'll hit some home runs. I'll be betting on him on Dinger Tuesday. You know, get those good juicy odds on Gary Sanchez because that's all he's, that's all he can do. But he can do it. <laughs> Yep, yep. I I think I mean he could he could be Shay Langoliers, I think. Right. That's right. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. I mean there were yeah, there were times last year where he 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 was uh 
a must-start player, believe it or not. <laughs> he was at times. And that's the thing. Like you said, it's like if, if you're someone who can add and drop and you're really active, I mean, like, I'm always – you're probably the same way. You're going to find with me in your in your baseball league, like, we're probably going to compete with the number of waiver moves on the season. Like, that's, that's me all day. <laughs> yeah, well, that's good because you're taking over for – uh, a manager who was who was always the league leader and that didn't even more than me so uh, we'll see if you can fill his shoes <laughs> nice there would be a lot of zero dollar bids i'll say that yeah there you go i love those zero dollar bids um all right well i think we can wrap it there um thank you all so much for listening uh we're gonna uh churn through these position previews over over the next month uh month and a half we're gonna work our way around the diamond uh through the infield outfield and then onto uh pitchers as well uh, well in advance of opening day, which is a bit early this year because uh, of the Korea series. And um, March, what is it? March 20th, I believe, is, is the first game, yeah, right? So, I think so. Um, so we're working, we're, we're working backwards from there to make sure we uh, give you everything you need to draft a winning fantasy team this year. Um, in the meantime, if you do have any questions for us, we are always uh, happy to answer them um, You know, prior to our our rankings being officially posted up at rosrankings.com. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, reach out to us if you uh, are wondering uh, and, and don't want to have to rewind on the last pod to see how we rank certain <laughs> players. Uh, on Twitter, you can reach out at uh, Andrew underscore Seifter. And I am at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, share, rate, and review. We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.